Philippians, we're looking at positivity, positively present and encouragement and B words. I hope that um, you have this at home. If not, there's more copies out there. We gave these out last Sunday and there'll be copies throughout the month. This is 31 Days of Being. And um, this morning, I, uh, before I left the house in the dark, I created the video um, introducing this whole thing and, and today's particular word, and it is appropriately begin. And each of these days, you know, there's going to be another B word, and I hope that you'll focus on that, pray about that, read the scripture that goes with it, watch the video if you're able, and um, God's going to bless us together as we, in a united kind of way, see what we can become. <clears throat> when I was a boy, I liked crayons, especially when you opened the box when they were brand new. Wasn't there something just great, especially that 64 box, and, and you, just like this one, you, you, you pop the lid, and there they are. Think of all the drawings you can make. Think of the artwork. Oh, the refrigerator's never going to look the same after I'm done with these crayons. This is going to be great. We're going to have uh, artistic uh, clouds and skies and bunnies and whatever else I'm going to draw. Now, my drawing skills are, eh, <laughs> they're okay. Um, if, if you give me a coloring page, I can stay within the lines pretty well, though. I can, I can do that. <laughs> but my, my two brothers, uh, two of my three brothers are artists, um, and, and they're, they're very good. They've made a living on that for all their adult lives. Uh, one in, um, in advertising, specifically in the pharmaceutical area, and then the, the second has his own sign company and, and, and also does uh, lettering on fire trucks and that kind of thing. Uh, so they're both really, really excellent artists. But I didn't quite pick up that gene from my mom, but uh, me and my other brother were pastors, so that was kind of our, our contribution here. But after you use these crayons, what happens to them in time? They wear out a little bit. Sometimes they break. And then, and then you start peeling the paper back because you've used it, and then eventually the wrapper comes off altogether. And then where do they go? Into a can, they look something like this. After I got this picture, that actually might be chalk. I'm not sure. But it's, it's the same idea, though, that you, it looks great and nice and whole when, it, when you first get it. And then after a while, it's just it's broken. It's still usable, though, and I think that's why, I don't know about you guys, but, you know, my, my mom would keep collecting them because we spend money on these crayons. Don't just throw them away because they're broken. You can say, I'll show you. My mom would do that. She'd say, here, and now it's just a little half piece like, like that pink one in the middle, but you turn it on its side, and you can color a big area with that. Oh, yeah, thanks, Mom. That's great. And, and so we learn to use them in spite of their broken condition. They can still create something beautiful and wonderful. And, and the art on the refrigerator, no matter what it looked like to the average eye, to my mother's eye was always beautiful, even from Paul. <laughs> and we appreciate that. Psalm 14, verses 2 and 3, has this stark 
summary of humanity. The Lord looks down from heaven on all of mankind to see if there are any who understand, any who seek God. All have turned away. All have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. Paul uses that scripture in Romans chapter 3. If you remember earlier this year, we looked at Romans and, and Paul begins the first several chapters describing the depth of the problem, the bad news for humanity as a whole and each one of us individually, that there is this big sin problem and, and this is how bad it is. And he, and he quotes this among other Old Testament passages to, to reemphasize the point. But then he goes on, of course, to develop the good news. And the good news is the clicker didn't break, it just popped. But <laughs> the good news of, of Jesus Christ, that there's a way through this that, that God has taken care of the sin problem through Jesus. And he says this in Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his own love for this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So that warning there in Psalms doesn't mean that we're not capable of good. It just means that we can't sustain it. We, we can't be perfect all of our lives. We can't stay in pristine condition like the box of crayons. We get shattered. We get broken. We, things peel off of our lives. And to the average eye, we look just useless and something that you just might want to throw away. That's our place. That's our, our condition without Christ. But the good news is that we have something new. And God can make something beautiful from our lives. So he takes our brokenness, takes us in our broken condition, and sets us on the course to follow him. Sets us on the course to do his work, to do his will, to to more importantly, going back to this month's word, to be his children and to learn what that is and, and to become what he called us to be, which was our original intent. We were born in his image. We are his children. And yet sin and corruption and junk just gets in the way of understanding and accessing and taking advantage of the life that that image provides. But in Christ, it's been restored through faith in him. So Paul writes this letter to the Philippian church and he expresses in the first 11 verses how happy he is with them, how excited he is to write to them. And we looked last week at 9 through 11, that wonderful prayer of, of what he really desired for them most of all. And that was their love to grow deeply, their love to, to, to understand the knowledge of love, the, the, the depth of insight about love. Too often we think of love as just this wimpy, soft thing, and knowledge is much different than love. But, and yet when you look at what the love of God is and the implications of the love of God given to us that despite our condition, he loves us. There's a lot of depth to learn. There's a lot of knowledge to know. And that's his desire for not just the Philippian church, but for all of us. And that's why it's still part of his word that we can grow in depth of the knowledge of God. 
Then he goes on now in the 12th verse, this is where we're at today. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. And of course, what happened to him, like we've already looked at, was he was arrested in Jerusalem because he was accused of starting a riot, and he could have been killed there. And it occurred to me as I was preparing for today that there was a riot in Jerusalem because of a man who's following Jesus. If you go way back to Acts chapter 7, there was a man named Stephen who was in a very similar circumstance, and Paul was there. And Paul was in approval when, they, when the riot got to the place where they basically executed the man on the streets and threw rocks at him until he was dead. Paul didn't throw the rocks, but he watched the guys' coats, as they, their cloaks as they took them off. Don't anybody take this. I got this. You guys go get them. So Paul was there. Now the tables turn completely. He's the one. He's the follower of Jesus who has caused the riot. He's the one they would probably do the same thing to if there was not intervention. And there was, and God protected him, and he appealed to Caesar. And, which is a quick summary, many chapters late in, in Acts, and he ends up in Rome under house arrest where he's writing this letter. So what has happened to him, all of that has helped to advance the gospel. So in other words, Paul didn't put his ministry on hold until this court thing was resolved. All right, everybody, I want to preach and teach about Jesus, but I can't do that right now because I, I have to focus on my hearing. I have to meet with my lawyer and make sure we've got all the depositions written up properly, and, and, and he says I should be quiet and not say anything in public because I'll get in more trouble. No, nah, it wasn't any of that. Paul obeyed the system in the sense of he cooperated and went where he was supposed to go and through the appeals process, etc., he ends up in Rome, but all along the way, he's still teaching, he's still preaching, he's still communicating, he's still writing letters, he's still receiving letters from others to know what's happening in all the churches that he helped to plant. And he's excited that God used him even in that broken condition. As a result, has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. There's that word chains for Christ again. He says that, he talks about the chains four times in, in the first chapter of Philippians. He, he's, and again, it's not just literal chains. He probably wasn't really chained there in Rome, but it is figuratively he is a prisoner waiting trial. But nonetheless, that didn't stop the gospel from advancing even into the palace guard of Caesar. At this point, it's probably around the year 61 AD, and this, the Caesar is Nero. Now, Nero, as he's mostly known for, you know, playing allegedly, or <laughs> according to, to, to legend, playing his violin as Rome burned. And he's also known for um, horrible uh, persecution against Christians. That did happen, but it didn't happen yet. That was within five years or so of, of when Paul's writing this. That began. Early on, Nero actually wasn't a bad Caesar. He, he, was, he was okay. But, and, and at this point, that was the way it was. But nonetheless, Caesar has palace guard. Caesar has a household of servants. 
And the gospel of Jesus Christ is infiltrating <laughs> the palace guard of Nero. Not that they were becoming believers, I think some did, but they heard the message. They knew why this guy was in jail to begin with. He's following this, this Judean prophet named Jesus, or alleged prophet, and they, most of them probably just sort of sloughed it off, but they heard the story. They knew about, yeah, this guy was crucified, and yeah, then they claimed that he rose from the grave, but you know, don't believe that, but they knew. And all of that happened while Paul's in that broken condition of in prison or in chains or, you know, not free. He's being oppressed. And yet, look what God did that whole time. And he's praising God for that. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare to proclaim the gospel without fear. So that is, is, is one of the... One of the, the, what his, his life has produced here, the results of him showing great faith and continuing to do the work of God even while he's broken, even while it's not what he wants. It wasn't his plan personally to do it this way. He would just as soon be out and continue to travel and, and, and spread the gospel further and further to more and more cities and regions and places. But he didn't let that stop him, and that was an inspiration to the other believers. If the Apostle Paul can keep believing and keep teaching and keep preaching, even as he's awaiting trial before Caesar, and everyone knew, before Caesar, there was no guarantee of anything, and, and he calls the shots. You could very well go before him, and he, He's in a bad mood that day, and no matter what the evidence says, uh, I just don't like the way this guy looks. He's out of here. Go ahead and execute him. I don't care. That could have been the result. But Paul wasn't afraid of that, and it gave the believers, there's another word you see a couple of times in the first chapter, confidence. There's that encouragement we look for in Philippians, confidence. Isn't it really great when you see someone else in your life whose faith is being tested and they're still believing and maybe even growing in their faith during a severe trial of some kind. Our church here has had way too many trials in the last several years, way too much to deal with, and yet here we are. Here we are. I'll say to you, so many of you are an inspiration to me to, to, to look at your faith in, in the face of death, in the face of illness, in the face of, of difficulties that, that, that you've gone through and are continuing to go through right now, even in this moment. And yet, here you are gathering together with the people you love who worship the God that we love together. That is inspiring. And I'm so thankful for you for that reason. And, and this is what, what Paul is, is pointing out too, that look at what God is doing during these days and times of trial. It's still growing. The message is growing. But something else was going on too. And it's true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here in defense of the gospel. But the former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, 
not sincerely supposing that I can stir up trouble, they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. Now, a couple of things to note about those verses. What these people he's referring to, those that don't have the best motives, what they are doing is preaching Christ. He says that twice. Okay? Christ is still being preached. So what, what does that mean? That means that the gospel message, the good news about Jesus, that, that God sent his son into this world, who lived, who died on the cross, and rose again. And that resurrection, that, that sacrifice is for everybody. That's the gospel. And there was apparently some people who didn't like Paul. Now, Paul was a very passionate man, type A personality, we probably call him today. And sometimes that can rub people the wrong way. And Paul wasn't perfect, so maybe sometimes you wouldn't blame them if they felt <laughs> kind of annoyed by him. But then there was also some that, who were in their local church, and, and they, they're, they're teaching, and they're preaching, and they're leading, and they're feeling good about it. Then this letter comes in from a guy named Paul, and, and the people go, wow, listen to that. Oh, this is great. It would be human, normal, perhaps, for the leader, the pastor of that church to feel like, oh, wow, who am I? I I'm not this Paul guy. Boy, he must be really good. I, I can't live up to that. And, you know, as a pastor... I know that sometimes I can look at other pastors, especially well-known ones, especially um, nationally known or whatever, or they're authors of books, they lead retreats all over the world, they're on television. Oh, wow, look at that guy. I can preach like that. And, and, and if I let my, my sinful self speak to my heart and start to believe that, then I can feel less than and, and feel kind of jealous of that, Okay. That's kind of what was going on among some people. And what's Paul's reaction to the jealousy? But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. What a great attitude. Paul is not condoning bad motives, <laughs> selfish motives, jealousy, infighting. Of course, not division. But notice again, he's saying they're still preaching Christ. I began today with that passage from Psalm 14, identifying how bad things are in God's eyes. Next to God, compared with God, look how bad we are. No one really gets it right. And yet, somehow, God manages to work with us. So, so from the moment in our lives we decide that, yes, the way of Jesus is the way I want to live, I, and, and whether it was a, a, a dramatic conversion moment for you, maybe a, a kind of a traditional evangelical moment for you where, yes, I'm going to follow Jesus. I, I accept you into my heart, and, and, and that's a good thing. There's others who maybe can't identify a moment, but they know right now, yes, I'm, I'm following Jesus. He's in my heart, and I'm living for him as best I can. And so, so we all do that, but 
from that time on, do you stop being broken? Like, like if you compare yourself to the box of crayons, like what's your overall condition? Is there brokenness somewhere in your life, either either that you cause to yourself or that others heaped upon you in some way? Is, is, there, is there things in our heart and mind that emerge that aren't always good? Do we always, every moment, do everything right for the right reason, in the right way? And, and when you look at that, and if you're honest with yourself, you have to say, yeah, okay. I mean, I, I try and do well, but here's an example. You volunteer for something that needs to happen here at St. John's <clears throat> uh, to provide something, make something, uh, write something, whatever it might be, okay? Is there a little voice back there saying, this will be great. People are going to like you even more. People are going to thank you and you're going to get acknowledged and won't that feel good? Yeah, you go on. Bake those brownies. You go on. Write that poem. You go on and, you know, be the person that helps out on Sunday in these many different ways they need help. You do that because, because that's going to make you look better. You go ahead. If we're not careful, that can be our motivation. Now, you carry out that work, and on the surface, it looks just like it's supposed to. Yes, thank you for providing your way, your contribution to the life of the church. That's good, and we need that. We should always have that. But do every one of us, every time we do something, always have the perfect and right motivation for doing it? I don't, okay? Do I like to be thanked? Hey, Pastor, great sermon. Sure, I, I appreciate that, and I thank you for the feedback. Does that get to my head sometimes? Yes. And then when no one's saying anything, oh, that must have been horrible, Paul. You're, you're a lousy preacher. Give it up. <laughs> because I, if, if that's what I'm seeking, if, if what I'm after is, is a pat on the back and, and, and to stroke my ego, then that's not a good motivation. Now, somehow, in spite of that, if that's in me, and in as much as that's true about me, if I'm still bringing across the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to you and that touches your life, in spite of my motivation, you are still moved toward God. Why is that? How does God do that? Because that's all that God has to work with. He doesn't have the brand new box of beautiful crayons of people in this world to say, I'm going to pick the best and the brightest and the prettiest and the richest and use them because they're the only ones who could possibly glorify me in this world. No, he goes into the drawer, he picks out this dusty old can of busted crayons, there's dust and dirt in there, picks one out, and he makes something beautiful. That's what he does. In spite of ourselves, when we just give ourselves to his, his tasks, his work, but not just our doings. We're focusing this month on being, to become What's beautiful? This was done by an artist with crayons. It's beautiful. I don't know if, if 
he got the new box of Crayolas when he or she did this. <laughs> or if he or she just went into the drawer. What difference does it make? Look at that. That's what God does with us. He takes us in our brokenness. He takes us good motivations, bad motivations. But as long as we are focused on Jesus Christ, the preaching, and not that you have to preach like me, but I mean the message in the, in the preaching, that, that I am loved by God in spite of all of my sin. He loves me. He's forgiven me. That's the message. I am forgiven. I am loved. And I want to show that love to others. That's the best possible motivation. And when we, we come up a little short of that, God can and does still use our lives and, and, and bless us with being part of the beautiful creation that he is making through us here at St. John's, through you and in other contexts of your life, in your, in your family, in your neighborhood. God takes your broken pieces and makes beautiful, makes beauty out of them. So my, my prayer for you is that we, we indeed become a beautiful work of God together this month, and, and always, but just particularly focus on what we are becoming. A few years ago, I, I created what you're going to see a moment ago, and I, it fits in so well with today and, and the month we're embarking on together about that word, be. And I, I think uh, it speaks for itself. And then when the song ends, we're going to go right into our, our uh, prayer song, Amazing Grace.